0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 5, Episode 11. My guest today is Liz Chillack, and I am your host, Mitch. I'm speaking in a bit of a, a kind of stunned and sober voice because I just re-listened to the episode I recorded with Liz about a month ago. Maybe it was actually you yeah, know, it's about a month ago. Anyway, Liz I, I I remember when I had my conversation with Liz, I was kind of awestruck. And um I kind of Forgot about it. I don't want to say forgot about it, but I wasn't thinking about it until I listened to the conversation again this morning, and I, I said to myself, wow, <clears throat> she is something else. Um, she, uh, You knew she was a, an interesting person when she was a young girl, and you'll hear that story. Um, but the way the, her story evolved, the story of addiction, a story of um, recovery, a story of um, nearly dying a story of losing loved ones, a story of meeting an amazing person named Sam Risso and having Sam uh, tragically pass away. Um, It's Frankly, it was a story in the news and it was really quite an unbelievable story. Anyway, and then to take Sam's tragic death and turn it into something really remarkable called the Sam Risso Foundation, um, which you will find that Sam S A M Risso R I S S O Foundation.org. Sam Foundation.org. Um but Liz founded the uh, foundation. The foundation is growing and doing more. It's only about a year old. Um and it builds on sam's legacy so sam uh, was an amazing person and you'll hear liz describe him helping always helping others putting others first people suffering from mental addiction sorry mental illness drug addiction or any addiction actually homelessness and he and sam would go out of his way to help these people he was entrepreneurial but he was also incredibly empathetic anyway when sam passed away um liz carried on Sam's legacy, creating the foundation uh, to provide resources, guidance, and support to people dealing with substance use, mental illness, and homelessness. They provide detox, or resources at least, for detox um, treatment, halfway housing, and therapy. They provide guidance and support, not just to the addicts, but to the families of the addicts. Um, It's really quite remarkable, and this is coming from a 30-year young woman who is quite impressive. So I don't really want to steal Liz's thunder. I just felt that not only was she incredibly impressive, but this issue of addiction and mental illness, especially after the couple of years that we've gone through in humanity, is a very poignant and important topic. So without further delay, listen to this conversation I had with Liz Chelak. So Liz, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Liz, I, I know I told you this when we first spoke, but I ran across you randomly just scrolling through social media and seeing the work that you've been doing with addiction and homelessness and mental health and I read, about, I read about the foundation that you have, and I was like, wow, this is a special person. So I did, and then I started doing some research. I'm like, I was intrigued. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, there is a a, a, a lot more to Liz Shellac. So I reached out to you. I offered, um, I asked you if you'd join me on the podcast and you accepted. So first things first, thank you so much for for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to- you know, talk about all the things that I love to do and hopefully other people have similar passions.
0: So to me, the, you know, helping people with, 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 um, mental health needs, helping people with homelessness and addiction is a super important and super, um, meaningful calling to, to me. And, and, to, I assume many of my listeners, but Let's take, let's, I'd like to do this in the form of talking a little bit about Liz's story. Okay. I think through Liz's story, we'll get the kind of whole picture. So Liz, I heard a lot of things in in my um, initial conversation with you. I heard interested in helping people. I heard an addict of, in your own right. I heard about someone who is. Um, really interested and really talented at, at at marketing and and branding and growing your business online how, how How does this whole story come together? Liz? Let me kind of throw it to you to tell me how you became such an interesting person and who you are today.
1: Well, I feel like I've honestly in I'm 30 years old, but I feel like I've lived so many different lifetimes. And this this lifetime is kind of about bringing all those lessons together into one. So I from a very young age, I knew that I wanted to help people ever since my mom told me the starfish story. I don't know if you've heard it.
0: What's the starfish story?
1: Basically, I was we were watching um, a commercial for a a nonprofit and they were saying, donate five dollars, just five dollars to help this one person. And me, I was like six, seven years old. I was like, well, why help one person? That's not going to solve the whole problem. And she told me, if you help one person, then you change that one person's life. And that kind of set a switch off in me. I was a little kid. I was like, wow, if I can change One person's life, then that's going to mean so much to me and to that person, and it's all going to be worth it. So, I wanted to become a therapist after that. Um, So, I started working towards that. And while I was in school, I wanted to also, you know, make money somehow. So, I tried to think about what am I, what do I enjoy doing? And I realized I really enjoyed marketing, but I didn't know anything about it. So, what I did was I taught myself. And I started a business based off that. And eventually when I wanted to go on social media to promote my business, I realized whatever I'm doing isn't working. So I spent another year trying to figure out what does work on social media to promote your business. And I kind of came to the realization that it would benefit my clients a lot more if I taught them how to do this, taught them everything. It took me a year to learn in, let's say, a three-month program Instead of me just taking it and doing it for them, they can use this skill throughout their business. So I started doing that. Um, And then in April of last year, um, me and my fiance were, you know, we did some work together. He also was very passionate about helping people, very passionate about helping people in addiction. He would do the craziest things. He would fly people from Baltimore, Maryland, from New York to Florida, pay for their flight pay for their treatment, pay for their halfway housing. He had a lot of businesses too, so he would hire them. And then when he passed away in April, I kind of just something in me said, I need to continue doing what he was doing because I automatically got so many messages from people. To this day, I'm still getting messages from people of Sam helped me so much. Like, you'll never understand. He, He did this and he helped me with this. And these people are now you know, they came from addiction, they came from homelessness, they came from rock bottom. And with his help, they're able to rebuild their lives. So it kind of just became clear to me, I need to start the Sam Rizzo Foundation. And I need to continue on his work. And my kind of goal with this is to be able to help as, as many people as he did, because he really helped a lot of people in his short life. And that's, that was the birth of Sam Rizzo Foundation.
0: That's amazing. You know, it's interesting. You said as a little girl, you know, you were exposed to that starfish story and you said to yourself, how can I, how can I help one person at a time? Fast forward, your, your um, fiance is someone who's doing that very thing for people.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and well, you know, I know that Sam, uh, tragically passed away and then, um, your, your, um, spark was ignited It was fully ignited. You know, you always wanted to help people, but with, with Sam's passing, you felt a strong desire to, to bring that, bring his work and your desire forward.
1: Right. So, yeah, I was in school for a long time and I, I kind of always had that passion and drive to help people. But while you're in school, you're not actually working as a therapist. So, you know, it it just took so many years to build up to the point where I could actually help people with being a therapist that I figured if I start this nonprofit, I could, you know, start helping people sooner and start helping more people. And it, it just kind of took over my life. That was, you know, even during my grieving process, that was all I could focus on. That was all I could do. So we, we built it up so fast and we got our 501c3 so fast. And we started just getting phone calls every day of people asking us for help and telling us their story. So it's definitely my main focus right now.
0: So you have, um, you, you don't have any current clients that you're helping with, with their marketing and their online, um, plans or you do.
1: I do still have the marketing agency. It took on more of an agency form instead of a coaching form because with my therapy clients and between the nonprofit clients, I don't have that one-on-one time to give to people. Mm -hmm. So it took on more of an agency format where I still do have some clients, but I don't actively promote that anymore just because I don't, you know, I'm one person. (laughs) I I always try to like do everything at once, but... I think I need to focus on what's really important right now.
0: So that makes sense and, and and frankly Liz the two actually in many ways support one another. So you know you may not be, you know, coaching or or de- helping other people develop their online business and their online presence, but you're going to use those skills right. as you continue to bring the foundation forward, right?
1: Of course, yeah. The foundation has its own Instagram, Sam Rizzo Foundation. We have a Facebook page. Uh, We get a lot of our donations through there um, or through the website. So definitely all of these skills, like I said, this is the lifetime where I'm I'm using all those lessons from the past to kind of implement them into into what I'm doing right now.
0: So I want to take this conversation in in one short direction and one slightly longer direction. So The short direction is I just want to pause for one second because I'm personally interested and I know that I have listeners who are interested in this whole building using social media to build your business. You're using it now to build the foundation. You helped others build their businesses through it. If you had to come up with, I don't know, two or three or four tips, you know, because I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, I have a friend of mine who is, um, who has a, um, video blog, a vlog, and he puts it on YouTube and he puts it on Instagram and he's really doing it for fun, but he really wants to grow it. Like he has a a full-time job. This is not his full-time job, but he really wants to promote it. He gets his kicks out of promoting it. Um, and he says, you know what, if this thing takes off, maybe there is a way to, to monetize it, but that's, that would be step two. But he has no, but he has no clue, Liz. Like Liz, really, he has no clue. He like barely knows how to to, um, get the thing posted, let alone to to draw viewers. So if you're trying to build a business profile online, what was some of the initial tips uh, that you would give to anyone listening?
1: So the first thing that I would always tell my clients to do is to build your brand. And branding, obviously, I mean, is more than just colors and fonts and logos. It's really who you are as a brand, as a business, as a, as a person, if you, if you are your brand, if you are the face of your brand and what's important to you, what's your mission, what does your voice sound like? Something that people will see right away and think of, oh, that's Liz. I, I I see it. I don't even see her name on there, but I know that's Liz's brand, right? The second thing would be to focus on who is your audience. Who are those people? What are they, what are they interested in? What did they like? What did they want to hear? What you know, what are their goals and talk directly to that through your brand. And then after that, then it comes into more of like, you know, what types of things do I post? How often do I post? What hashtags do I use? And all and all those like little things. But I think the most important thing would be to figure out who you are as a brand and figure out who you're really speaking to. Get to know that person. You and know- kind of not generalize it as like, oh, it's just, you know, business owners No, what kind of business owners, what do they do? What do they do for fun? What are they, what are their goals in their business? What are their goals in their personal life? And speak directly to that one person.
0: I love that. So what you're really saying, and it's so funny, people take it for granted. Well, I know who I am, but your audience doesn't know who you are. Yeah. And not only that, and then and then you need to also understand who's your target audience because you may know who you are, but if you're if who you are doesn't connect to your target audience, you're not going to you're not going to be successful. So what you're saying is like put the postings, the amount, the quality, the hashtags. Put that second. If you don't get the first stuff down first, you're, you're nowhere.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. I think it's so important to be able to connect with your audience. While who you are is important and- you know, transparency has always been a big part of my brand. I think it's also important to connect with those people and talk directly to them, ask them, like, what do you want to hear from me? What are what are you interested in? And then do more of that. So a lot of it is connecting with your audience, literally having a conversation with them one-on-one and figuring out like, hey, what what do you want to see? And go from there.
0: I love that. So Let's 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 pivot from that because I think I think that that's those are some useful comments. I don't want to dwell on them too much because I really, what I'm really interested in is um, the foundation and your work there. But to me, what's the reason I teed it up with the 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 social media presence is I'd like to hear your brand and the, the well your brand the foundation's brand. Yeah. What is the brand? Who is your who are you? who is the foundation and who is your target audience and how do you make that connection? Because to me, I would love my listeners to understand a little bit more about who you are and look, everyone, unless you're, you're the most fortunate sheltered person on the face of the earth, everyone knows someone who's suffering. Yeah. Uh, whether it's addiction whether it's homelessness whether it's mental illness everyone knows someone who's suffering so i'd love for my for my listeners to hear a little bit about about who, who the foundation is who you are and 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 then who is your target audience and how do you help that target audience
1: So an important thing I kind of learned a while ago is that usually not in all cases, of course, there are exceptions, but usually your target audience is a version of your own past self. So with the marketing business, I was trying to help people who were just like me trying to start their business and promote it on Instagram. And I spoke directly to that person who I was one, two years ago and told her what she needed to hear with a nonprofit. I am a recovering addict. I do now have four years clean, but I remember what it was like to be homeless. I remember what it was like to be suffering an addiction. I remember what it was like to feel completely hopeless and helpless. So I, that is my target audience now. That's where they are at now. So I would talk to them the same way that I would talk to myself when I was dealing with that because I remember and I know what it was like.
0: So tell me a little bit about that. What are some of the key key messages that you would be talking to? What are some some of some of the how would you how would you make sure that that target audience knows that you're relating to them?
1: Um, I mean, they know as soon as they call me because first of all, I would never judge them, right? Because I've probably been there. (laughs) But besides that, even if I haven't been there, I, I get where addiction can take you. So you know, they kind of sense that right away. And I, I do share my story. I know, you know, especially with therapists, we learn in school not to self disclose and not to tell our patients things about ourselves. I don't believe in that. I feel like in order to build that connection with a human being, you also need to be a real person, a real human being. So I, I'll tell my story, I'll post it publicly on social media for the whole world to see. Um, because it's my story and because it's true and because it happened. And I know that it happened to other people as well. And I want them to feel comfortable enough to talk about it in order to then be comfortable enough to ask for help. So I let them know, you know, this is where I came from and that's how I relate to you and how you can possibly relate to me. But then I tell them what my life is like now. I tell them that I have four years clean. I started multiple businesses. I bought a house. I have the car. I have the family. I have the relationships. My mom trusts me again. So I tell them those things so they know it's possible. Because I remember when I was in active addiction, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't know that there were people out there living clean, sober lives. I honestly had no idea that there was people who don't even drink. So Seriously? I let them say, Yeah, I didn't know.
0: So that's something that that's hard for me to relate to <laughs> because um, I don't drink very much. I, I drink maybe a beer a week, um, but maybe
1: you drink a beer a week,
0: but I can like, I, I that's what right. I really want. That's all I'm interested right. in.
1: Exactly. I didn't know that there was people who either can only drink one beer a week or then there's people like me now who don't ever drink a beer, who go right. out to party and don't drink a beer or we'll go to a celebration and not have a glass of champagne. That right. was very weird to me. And now it's my life and it's normal and I'm happy with it. it's a choice that I make every day, but it's my choice. So.
0: Liz now Liz my struggle is cookies but that's a different that's a different issue. <laughs> <Me too>. <laughs> <laughs> but um but th- but this isn't a joking matter. So I'm, I'm I'm but I'm I'm intrigued by it. So so when you're in the throes of an addic- of addiction understanding that there's a different life out there you almost don't even comprehend it is what you're saying.
1: Right? Or the the kind of the feelings that I had was even when I did arrive at treatment. I I heard of these people saying, you know, I got I got clean and this is what I do know. My kind of mentality was that's wonderful. I'm so happy for you, but I'm different and it's not going to work for me. <laughs> so I kind of also like sharing that story because a lot of addicts do feel different. So different that you know we're more hopeless than others and we're worse off than others. And the things that have helped you I'm just completely hopeless and they won't help me. So I like telling that story as well, because that's exactly how I felt to the point that I didn't even want to bother because I knew, you know, it's not for me. It's not going to work for me. But I mean, I did it. I put all of my efforts into just taking the suggestions that other people who had clean time were giving me and. It did work. <laughs> so was there
0: was there a moment or a triggering triggering series of events or a triggering person during treatment that turned it around for you? I mean, you started you started treatment, you know, saying that like I nice to hear it's not me, and was it was it a moment or a person or was it simply sticking with it and 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 having it repeated over and over again that got you to turn a corner?
1: There was a moment. Um, I was a very difficult patient. Um, I ran away a bunch of times cause I just couldn't handle being sober. It, I could not handle it. Even after the withdrawals passed, I just couldn't bear it for any longer. So I would run away. I would live on the streets. Um, this was in another country. So it was a little bit more difficult, but, um, and I had a boyfriend at that time. And I went to go see him and we started using together again and I overdosed. Luckily, there was Narcan available where we were. So, you know, I was kind of brought back, but then he overdosed and he passed. So that moment kind of told me that I can't, I kind of said, you know what, I'm not going to let his death be in vain and I'm not just going to continue doing what I was doing. I have to change my life and, you know, his death is going to give my life that meaning.
0: So that, that's a really impactful moment. The thing that I really relate to um, is this entire, this concept of running away. You know, I, I, I kind of get that because, you know, by having to stay in treatment when you're not quite mentally ready to be there it's got to be like torture it's like living mm-hmm. with someone living with yourself mm-hmm. in a situ- and, and and not even being able to stand yourself yes. in that moment it's got to be an inc- i mean look I'm fortunate i haven't been in that situation myself but i've been i've had my moments where i have felt like running away Yeah. And I could see, I could see why you went through this, right. You're in treatment. You're not quite feeling ready to be there yet. Every moment you're there, you're feeling incredibly uncomfortable with, with yourself and who you are and you need to run away. Like it's relatable to me. And so, gosh, it's awful that, that, you had to lose your boyfriend in order to have a moment, but sometimes you have a moment. You made a comment to me earlier in this in this podcast, Liz, you said, I wrote it down. You said you've used the lessons of your lives up until now to, to, to be what you are now. And there's a famous saying that I love. Um, it was Nelson Mandela. And he said, um, I never lose. I either win or I learn.
1: Yeah. I mean that's definitely true. I even have that tattooed on my body where it says never a failure, always a lesson. Because yes. that's kind of that's what I learned from Sam to be honest. I used to be afraid to fail because I thought, "Oh no, I'm going to look stupid or no, I'm going to I'm going to be a failure and then why even bother trying this if I'm just going to suck at it and fail?" But, you know, living with him for so long, I just saw him start all these businesses and I would always ask him, "How do you know how to do this?" And he would say, I don't know how to do this, but I'm gonna figure it out along the way. And you know, either I'm gonna fail big, but I'm gonna learn something, or I'm gonna succeed. And that's that's wonderful too. So <laughs> kind of something that I've taken along with me in this lifetime.
0: <laughs> so Sam sounds like an incredibly special person. And that's that's yeah. what um that's what the Sam Russo Foundation, Sam Rizzo Foundation, SRF. Um You know, you you named the foundation after him. So let's let's flip to that. So you, boy, you're a piece. You're you're you you have so many great stories. I mean, I can't believe that you, you know, knew you wanted to help people. Had then even at a young age, yeah, um, went through your own personal struggles, taught yourself marketing and 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 make growing your own business. Um, and now, and now, you know, you, you've gone through the heartache of losing Sam and, and now, now you're running the Sam Rizzo foundation. So I'd like you to take us fast forward. You're, you're, um, four year, four years clean. You you've gone, gone through treatment and, um, tell me a little bit about the foundation. How did, you know, Sam, Sam passed away. You stepped in, tell us the story of you stepping in and tell us how, where, where we are today with San Rizzo Foundation.
1: I mean, I was just, you know, remembering some of our conversations and I, I still have the text message. He was saying, um, oh, I I'm out here. I'm going to be a little bit late today. I'm out here helping, you know, this person, he, he, he needs my help. And I said, okay, of course. And he said, you know what? Nonprofit is the goal for 2021. And I liked that message and i saw it again recently and i was like yep yeah, i'm going to do that i'm going to do that for him and it's going to be amazing and it's going to be awesome and now what we do is i mean i have people calling me every day and they all need different things and that's how i work with people on a very individualized basis so my the first question i ask when somebody calls me is what do you want to do what do you need help with what are your goals and i'll try to work with them to get to get to their goal, right? Not my goal, because, you know, maybe complete abstinence is not everybody's goal. That's just what worked for me. That's my personal choice. Maybe it's not their choice. Maybe they want to be on some sort of maintenance program. Maybe they want to just find a job. Maybe they just want to find somewhere to live. So we help with, you know, kind of anything that people ask us for, if we have the resources. And if we don't, we know somebody who does um but oftentimes we just provide resources for detox or for treatment or for halfway housing or we will pay for people's first week of halfway housing rent because once you get out of treatment you don't have anything you don't mm-hmm. have a job you don't have a place to live so we put them in these halfway houses where you know they kind of have the support and the the structure that most of us that I needed when I first started out um while we set them up with peers. So peers are just people like them who have lived experience and have made it, you know, to the other side of this disease. And they help them with resume writing. They help them find jobs. I know a lot of people, you know, who are hiring. I just kind of use all my resources that I have to try to help these people as much as we can. We also work a lot with the homeless. We give out what's called Project Basic Necessity. We give out these care packages of Hygiene supplies, socks, snacks, waters, you know, because that's kind of the quickest thing that we can do to help in that situation. And then obviously when we're out there doing, you know, boots on the ground work, we'll talk to people and we'll meet people and we'll tell them, you know, this is what we do. This is how we can help. If they're interested, then we do. Sometimes all they want is that bag. Mm -hmm. and then they kind of remember you for next time, whenever they do need something, whenever they are ready. So it's all about just planting the seed that, look, somebody is here to help and willing to help whenever you're ready for it.
0: So you're you're, you're what I call... you're very resourceful you're like a, you're like a connection maker like in other words they're you know,
1: often very resourceful <laughs> yeah. not,
0: fair point fair point but but the the ability to make the connections right to provide some <laughs> initial assistance be it be it a halfway house or even a, a necessities bag and then to be able to get to make connections to connect yeah. the person in need with the support that they they need mm-hmm. um you know you have to have you have to have a pretty Using an old school word, a pretty a pretty robust Rolodex of contact people who you who I remember you, those, I do <laughs> who you can put people in touch with. Um, so how do you how do you where do your funds come from? Where 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 does SRF's funds come from?
1: Um. Mostly right now, they just come from private donors from people like you and me, Um, we have right now our next goal for 2022 our big 2022 goal is to open a halfway house, so we can house even more people and you know help people with that structure that they need in early sobriety. We, you know, already have enough money for the house. We just need, you know, we're doing some fundraising for the furniture because to fill a four bedroom house with eight beds and couches, um, I do a lot of fundraisers on social media. So that's really where, where most of our funding comes from, from people who you know, either have family who have been in addiction and understand the struggle or people who are recovering addicts themselves and remember how much help they needed when they were so new to this, that they just want to donate and support what we're doing to help those people.
0: And do you ever hear from, so you you hear from the, um, the person in need, do you ever hear from families of the person in need? Like, how do I connect with my son, my daughter, my best friend who, who's struggling and and I want to get them to go to treatment, but they won't listen to me. like, do you get involved in situations like that as well? Cause I'm sure there are a lot of parents and friends who, who, I mean, look, we all know people.
1: Yeah. Um, actually the meeting we had to earlier, uh, today this morning that I was telling you about before was with a nonprofit called our two sons and they're both mothers of loss. Um, They each had a son that they lost to addiction, and they do a lot of work, also talking to parents because I can always tell my side of the story, but I don't have a child who is in active addiction, so I don't know that side. Which I've seen my mother, I can only imagine it's horrible. So we were actually we're talking today about creating a program together to talk to the parents, and as of now, I just send those people my mom's number because my mom is amazing. She went through so much with me. That she has somehow become an expert on how to deal with an addict child because clearly she was able to get through to me and to help me without enabling me. There's a fine line between enabling your child and actually helping them. So I think it helps a lot more to hear her perspective for parents in terms of what she felt, what she went through and what she did wrong and what she learned from her mistakes and what she did right and what actually helped me.
0: You know, it's amazing. You should talk about your mother that way because I have, I have friends um, who are parents of addicts Mm -hmm. and I, I I think what I've seen and I've just been an observer of it, but what I've seen is the the, the parents who are the least helpful are the parents who feel like it's, it's, it's about them. You know, and 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 I don't know whether this resonates, but I've seen it more than once, more than more than a handful of times, with the parents like I have failed as a parent. Like this is about me not doing the right thing, and 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 there's a level of getting over that 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 people need to do in order to actually be helpful to their child, their friend, their loved one. And I think you know you're right. It's hard for it would be hard for you to be um, empathetic in that situation because you haven't actually been in that situation, but for your mom or for these women you met this morning, like that, that that's their thing. Like I'm sure that their advice is, is very relevant because they've lived
1: through it. I mean, yeah, I think the number one thing is to not enable your child who is in active addiction, but also not to blame yourself and not to take it as a personal insult because you know, we don't know why people become addicts. It's like, you know, is it a nature or nurture thing? Nobody right. knows. I'm born with this disease or do we somehow acquire it? Or is it even contagious? Right. We don't know. But I think the thing is, is as soon as you, and I, I also talk to these parents a lot because I think it's also helpful for them to hear my perspective of being, you know, an addict and now being in recovery. But the thing I always, always tell them is if you suspect your child is, has an addiction, then most of the time your you know initial instinct is true because you wouldn't just suspect that out of nowhere. And what I try to always push home on any podcast I'm ever on or on you know talking to any parent is do something. you need to do something. and for most parents, they don't know what to do, so I always give out my number and and I say, do something, just call me, call me, and I will do something because I understand that you know parents don't know what to do. So at least if they call me, then they're already taking that step and, you know, they've already started the process because I think that's the most important thing because this disease is so dangerous that we can literally die at any moment. And if you don't do something, anything, whatever it is that you do, it's just so scary. It's so scary to just see somebody out there actively using when you know that they could die at any moment.
0: Right. Right. And I'm
1: so lucky to not have died. You know, I think it's a miracle that I'm clean and I'm alive and doing what I'm doing. So, I'm forever grateful to the people who helped me and I just want to be able to explain to parents, you know, what they could possibly do and maybe even help them. Even if their child isn't ready, I could help them kind of understand that, you know, it's not your fault and this is what you can do.
0: That's that's amazing. So, so your Survival, your recovery, your perseverance is benefiting other people in so many ways that that's that's the true meaning of your life. yeah, um, so Liz, um let's wrap this up. I'm gonna put this in in the um in the notes to this podcast um as well, but I'm gonna just ask you uh, two things. one, any last, any last words um, for the listeners? And B, if people want to either A, donate money, or B, seek help, how do they get in touch with you?
1: We have our website where you could either donate money or you can seek help. It's samrizzofoundation.org. Rizzo is R I S S -S O. They can call me. My phone number, I give it out very freely, is 863 558 3297. Um, Or they could just search my name and you'll find my Instagram or my Facebook and you'll find me right away there too.
0: That's great. So, any final words to our listeners about? You about perhaps their struggles, whether it's anything. Final, final thought.
1: Uh, my final thought is that I'm only here today because somebody helped me. There was no way that I would be able to do it alone. There was no way I would still be alive if I somehow thought that I could do it alone. So I want to just pay it forward and I want to be that person that, you know, little, hand of hope that little voice of kindness that can maybe instill hope into somebody else that they can change their lives around if they want to and if they do want to they don't have to do it alone and that you know we're kind of there to to give them whatever they're ready for and to help them with whatever they want help with
0: that's amazing liz first of all thank you so much for what you're doing thank you so much for Carrying on Sam's legacy, for carrying on the foundation, for continuing your studies around therapy and, and being able to help people. So, thank you for that. Thank you for helping our fellow human beings. And thank you for being on my podcast. I personally appreciate it. This is a great conversation.
1: Thank you. I had a lot of fun.
0: Okay. Have a good day, Liz. You too. So, I hope you were struck as I was in how impressive Liz was, or is, how she was in that conversation. She is really quite an amazing person. And, you know, here's the thing. If you know someone, I know too many people who look at addicts, who look at mental illness, who look at people who are homeless as weak, as losers, as... People who have made their own bed, now they need to sleep in it. And I am just kind of appalled by that because we all have our challenges. Every single one of us, I do. Every one of you who are listening to this podcast do. And to have someone who can be there by your side, to realize that it's not about them. It's not that they have been a bad parent or a bad friend or a bad spouse um, it's about the the person suffering and, and to be able to lend a hand, to be able to be there, to be able to not necessarily try to fix things, but to just let those other people know that they've got someone that they can count on when they need it. And if they don't have that someone, then they have places like the Sam Risso Foundation to go to. This is incredibly important. This is what will save people's lives this is what we need in humanity in order to go forward and make this world a better place and liz is doing an amazing part in that so hope you enjoyed this week's mediocrity podcast as you know we are in season five this is episode 11 not sure exactly how many episodes we're going to do this season i think it's going to be at least 20 perhaps a few more And um, I have a ton of guests already recorded. I have a ton of guests in the hopper, so we have quite a lot of content, and I hope you're enjoying Season 5. If you are enjoying Season 5, please let me know. Go to my website, meetmediocrity.com, and send me an email, send me a message. Go on Instagram and find Meet Mediocrity. You just have to type in Meet Mediocrity and you'll find me. Send me a direct message and let me know how you're enjoying the season. Let me know what you'd like to hear more of. And um, let's keep the lines communication open. So with that, I ask you to continue to keep smiling, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep uh, well. That's it. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.